The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. Rossiano. And I think maybe because I wanted to make a professional, my brain was like, aha, okay, bitch, and went completely the other way. And Michael Lucas. Oh, likewise with you, can't wait. And just remember, if it's too fatty, just heat it up. This is M. Salation. I was working for Baz Luhrmann. Oh, oh, just pick that name up. Oh, no, but yeah, I was. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a podcaster, a maximalist power queen, a neurodiverse magic brain, and together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter and podcaster, Mr. Michael Lucas. I bring you this podcast every week. <laughs> no, keep coming, Ben. It's fine. We're in the studio and we're just figuring each other out. Ben's come down the stairs. No, we started. Zeke pressed record. It's fine. No, it's hi. Say hi. Thanks for my cameo. Oh, it's our first week in the studio. Although Michael's in Tasmania, which is something other oh, not too, which is something that he didn't tell me until a couple of days ago. So it's fine. I thought we'd all be together, but we we kind of are. Just Michael is elsewhere. But next week, I'm being told, I'm being assured that we will all be in the same space. But we did move into Down the Hill Studios. It's pretty exciting. I, I, I am really enjoying having this space. I've already got the lay of the land of the street. I figured out who the queen bitch is. She's amazing. Michael and I will talk about that. And I found a bin room. I will go more into that. But you guys, you know, if you find a room full of bins at your disposal. I mean, maybe I'm the only one that excites. It's time to take out the trash. I want to tell you that Elio and I attempted another gymnastics lesson this week. I actually had to have a nap afterwards. I don't know what to do. And the teacher is not, I need a teacher who's like following his every move, but she's very like, oh, let the kids do what they want. I'm like, no, don't let the kids do what they want. Give them rules and guidelines. So I essentially took over the pitter-pat class because... (laughs) The two children that were in it were my son and another little boy and they are both agents of chaos and at the start they set up this beautiful little obstacle course where you've got to jump over things and pretend you're under the sea. Well, Elio was just picking up dolphins and piffing them at the bigger kids' heads. This is where we were at. He was showing them how he could throw. Then he would only talk to people as a T-Rex, which isn't great when they're doing quiet time practising their tuck positions. And the class is mainly little girls who's in the bigger class. So they've got five and six-year-olds going at the same time. And everyone's very quietly trying to get into their focus, their zone of sitting in a tuck position. And then there's this chaotic three-year-old going, I'm simply saying that life finds a way. And that was for an hour, you guys. (sighs) He just doesn't listen. 
And so I decided to join him in the foam pit. I was doing flips off the trampoline. I was being a right show off because I can still do flips. And then one of the mums came over and she's like, oh, are you a gymnast? I was like, oh, well, no, I'm not. Oh, look, I dabbled. But no, I'm just, I'm a flippy, bendy person. And then I immediately regretted saying that. But she did think I was a gymnast, guys, because, you know, I do know how to land in motorbike position and I do point my toes at all times. So I'm not an animal. I'm not sure if we're going to go back again. It, You know... I just really want to give a shout out to all the parents of that child. I know I've spoken about this before, but because my other two were very well-behaved children and were able to follow instructions and cared about, you know, upsetting other people, I always looked at that, that kid and was like, oh, my God, that kid. Why aren't they doing anything to, to control them? Why is that child running the class? Why is that child ruining things? That child is my child now. And I just want to apologise to any of you that I ever silently judged for having that child. I'm in it with you. I will take any advice you have. He still won't toilet train. I bought a frog that he's got to piss into the mouth of. I, am, I bought a frog for my child that sits in my shower. So my shower is essentially becoming a urinal and there's a little propeller thing and you've got a wee inside the frog's mouth. I'm hoping this doesn't ruin his relationship with amphibians down the track and I hope that he doesn't think that every time he sees a frog he's got to whip his dick out and wee at it. I'm hoping this isn't a pattern I'm establishing, but I bought this thing that sticks on the wall and it's a big frog mouth and you've got to hit the little red propeller. He has no interest in weeing in the frog, none. He threatened to poo in it. That's not what it's for. So it's been a, it's just, uh, I'm a bit afraid of him. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? I'm a bit afraid of Elio. I'll just tell you right now, I'm afraid of him. I don't want to make him mad at me. I don't want him to not like me. <laughs> God. So they're the updates. Jim was hectic. We still are in nappies. But I'm in my studio and all's well. I'm really loving it. Down the hill studios. We're getting a neon sign. It's all happening. All right, it's time to get to the episode. In it we discuss the Queen has COVID. I think Michael's secretly happy. We talk about Anthony Albanese possibly being a sleeper agent for China and then all the Oscar stuff that's going on, the Nicole Kidman cover, they've announced the host and also in exciting developments, it's looking like one of our favourite trash-tastic films could be up for an Oscar. All of that is coming your way. Welcome to the first episode coming out of Down the Hill Studios. I can say it, not quite live from Down the Hill Studios. Actually, Ben, I'll get Ben to do it. Ben will say play the music just because I know you guys like routine. Okay. Take it away, Ben. Live when we recorded it from Down the Hill Studios, this is Emsolation. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas, this is Emsolation. Well, I welcome my co-host, not sitting opposite me as promised last week. In fact, beaming in from his marital sojourn in Tasmania. <laughs> what, what happened? I know. Why are you was, here? I, I can't explain it. I knew that I was going to Tasmania in one part of my brain and I knew that we were starting at the uh, now down the hill studios and the other part of my brain. And for some reason, those two things didn't connect. But what is the real achievement of it is that oftentimes... I'm in a position where I disappoint either you or Adrian, most famously with Madonna tickets. But in this case, I managed to simultaneously disappoint you both. 
because Adrian was listening to the podcast and listening to me saying, yeah, we'll be at the studio when actually I had, it was his birthday present to come here. And so, oh, wow. so I had to apologise for him for forgetting then to apologise to you for not being there on our first week. It was a real fail. And you didn't tell me either. When you came down to view our brand new studios that I am coming to everyone from right now, that's why I sound much more professional than I normally do. Mm. Your husband said, oh, have you told her? Have you broken it to her? Well, you were standing in these very studios. and I know. It, I, I, yeah. I, it was very Scott Morrison, Jenny Morrison of me to just sort of, I just sort of sat there nodding as, as he apologised for the trip to Hawaii or in this case to Tasmania, even though it was 100% my responsibility and my fault. And, but you yeah, know look, what? You forgave me. Oh, you know, I've got a lot on my plate and on my list of things to worry about, you being in Tasmania drinking wine in a bathtub with your husband is not one of them. So that's mm. okay. Off you go, doll. But what I do, oh God, my brain, we have moved into the office and I'm already like, I've got already got to bring you up to speed on the street politics of where we are. Mm-hmm. So I was like, where are the bins? There's no bins in the building. And I rang the council. I rang the council, guys. I made a whole, oh, I made a phone call and someone answered and I got what I wanted. And then Marcella and I were here yesterday doing some tidying and I was doing a little bit of a wander and I found a garbage room, a garbage room. Now, if you are a middle-aged woman and or ethnic to find five skips (laughs) at your complete disposal, and I'm already thinking, well, any like off-cast that I have from home, like, you know, because I always have overflow because there's five of us, I'll be able to bring it here. And they're beautiful big skips for, and you can bring your hard rubbish in here too. It's a whole situation. I cried. I cried with joy. It's time to take out the trash. <laughs> Is this middle age? I think so. But frankly, I think even you in your 20s would have felt oh, a yeah. certain degree of, mm. of thrill at seeing it. Granted, now that you have so many children, it's, it's probably exacerbated. Yeah. But just skips in general excite me. You know, I'm also doing the double tea towel, one tea towel over each shoulder now was just one in my <laughs> 20s and 30s, but now my 40s, I need one at disposal, a fluffy one and then a shiny one. So now to have personal skips, and I'm just going to view them as my own skips, like no, like they're just for me personally, yeah. to yeah. have access to so many personal skips, I can't tell you, I mean, this office has already paid for itself. And now there's a cafe down the road, you need to know, the woman who runs it, she is this amazing, we've called her Daphne, we don't know if that's her name, I'd never want to actually know her real name, but she looks like a Daphne. Like, imagine she She's got this short, severe, grey haircut, big statement earrings, glitter eyeshadow, bright red lips. She'd be about, I don't know, 65, 70. She's fabulous. Hey, can I help you? You're just happy bronzing. And I went down there yesterday for some food. She said, oh, have you moved in up the street? I said, yes. She said, well, you can't be taking your food in takeaway containers. That's not civilised. So she made me carry china plates down the road. <gasps> oh, wow. That's a soul connection already. That's a really good strategic win. Yeah, yeah. She's queen bitch of the street. Already figured that out. She would definitely have dogs that hunt ducks. She would own gum boots but call them wellies. She has a country house for sure and does the pot collar linen shirt like no one else. She sounds a bit prune-trude but maybe going to do some sort of living and learning arts course at nights or something. You're so patronising. I mean, just patronise everyone. Most definitely does that. Yes. Speaking of living and learning art classes, I'm really loving my pottery classes, by the way. I know and yet another sign that you're in middle age. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I said I've joined a pottery class? I don't think I've told the emsolators exactly officially, but I did start doing a pottery class and everyone took bets on how many lessons I would attend. Yeah, but I did, I did that privately, but yeah. I didn't share it with you. I just sort of thought <laughs> it will, I give it three and we'll see how it goes. 
But what are we up to now? I've done three. I do yeah. want to let everyone know that the course is called Introduction to Wheel Throwing, but I very quickly figured out 10 minutes in, I didn't like the wheel. So I go and I sit in a side room by myself and I build like pinch pots and little wild characters while the rest of the ladies sit on the wheels. I don't like the wheel. It's too fiddly. It's like, I can't get it right. It hurts my eyes. And so I just looked at her and I said, I don't like this. Can I go and make things in the other room? And to her credit, my teacher's like, sure. So I'm making bowls and birds and weird egg holders for LEO while the rest of them are having their private ghost moments. I will tolerate no reenacting, whether it's ironic or sincere, of the Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore pottery scene in Ghost. Mm. So that's good. Anyway. Oh, it sounds like an outlet for you. It is. It is. It is. That and the skips, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> now, One thing news... may end up in the other, I fear. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. <laughs> You, Sorry, if you're not careful, cruel. you'll be getting fucking pottery for the next birthdays and Christmas for the foreseeable future. <laughs> you be very careful. I have an ashtray with your name on it currently getting ready to be fired. It's time to take out the trash. Oh, there's just so much ash that I do need <laughs> containing in a pottery tray. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily use it for ash. I don't know if it would withhold the strenuous heat from coming from a cigarette. But. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, some disturbing news from Buckingham Palace this week. The Queen has COVID. Oh, my Correct. God. Everyone I just... thought of you instantly. Mm-hmm. My favourite thing about this is Nicki Minaj tweeted the Queen has COVID and all her followers are like, Nicki, are you okay? Look after yourself. <laughs> She's like, no, the Queen has COVID. That was my favourite announcement of the Queen having COVID was from Nicki Minaj. Look, I've obviously been keeping a very close eye on the situation and With your privileged view into <laughs> the House of Windsor, <laughs> how are her symptoms? Oh, well, they're light and mild. I am this show's official royal watcher. So, you know, editor at large kind of vibes of our non-existent woman's weekly vibe reporting style. That's me. So she's just got mild symptoms, still maintaining light duties as we know, and, and, and that just, I'm glad she's doing light duties because she's 95. So she needs, you know, she needs things to keep her wanting to stay alive, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which includes going through her red box. Now, you know, the Queen every day gets to I saw this, but I didn't understand. Is the red box just sort of like correspondence that yes. she has to deal with? Oh, Important okay. government-related matters. And in the, day, in the time, I mean, they probably when Charles or William takes over, it would need to be like a red iPad. Because does anyone send handwritten notes anymore? I don't know. But Lizzie gets her little box every day and it's full of government papers for her to sign and officiate and approve. So she's still doing the red box duties. But in kind of upsetting news this morning, we've been told she'd cancelled all her Zoom appointments for today. So... Are you well? Also, do we have confirmation? Did Charles give it to her, Charles or are they just being a bit vague about that? Because he definitely had it. Yeah, and then now she's got it. Yeah, Charles and Camilla gave it to. Liz, not great. Not great, especially because we all know it's a bit of a tricky transition that they're so much less popular. It's not going to help matters. I mean, God forbid. It's not going to help matters if, you know, the reason they have to do the transition is because he gave her COVID. Are you suggesting that he deliberately gave his mother COVID? No, not at all. Not at all. I'm just going to say. That would be the most intense, hectic overthrow of a crown. Can you imagine? Well, but then again, I mean, Queen Elizabeth's life and, as we know, avowed Republican here, just want to get rid of the the royal family. But, you know, she's been there through all the great stages of history of the 21st century, the the war, the blitz, all of, you know, she was there when the... And kind of, I mean, it feels appropriate that the... (laughs) 
<laughs> that the that the big thing of the 2020s eventually c- comes home to roost with her because I feel like she's got to eventually be able to do a speech about all the historical movements of everything that's happened for the past sure. 100 years. She'll and be so fine. And so she needs her COVID experience. She'll be fine. And also one of the last people to have to isolate in the UK because they're cutting that rule off this week. So she's doing her five days isolation and then no one really has to do that anymore in the UK. But the thing is she's been in this HMS bubble with her 22 dedicated staff that haven't been allowed to leave or see their families. Crushing a treat, Governor. Wow. That's crazy. I really love the idea of an HMS bubble. I'm not going to lie. That would be incredible. <laughs> but she, she <laughs> I, I think your staff probably would be less enamoured of the idea. <laughs> I always wonder, I want to know whether that's what Oprah's staff has too, because famously we've all watched the, the method by which guests have to come into the Oprah compound, mm. which seems as severe as Queen Elizabeth's one. But does Oprah, does that mean all the chefs and everything can't leave? I presume it does. I presume they're like royal staff too. I mean, would you want to leave? Have you seen the no, tea house? I'd want to live there 100%. Take me in. Let me live in this newfound land, this planet, Oprah. Well, you wouldn't. Yep, sure, I'll sign it. Wouldn't need me to sign. You never want me to see my kids again? Sure, here, I'll sign this right now. It's There's nothing wrong with treating yourself, dear. It would be pretty galling if you have spent so long not seeing your family and then in the end Charles wanders she, in and yep. introduces COVID and the big dog goes down. I big mean, dog's gone down. You'd be yeah. pissed. <laughs> You would be. And also, I mean, obviously you've had the news that Camilla, she's given permission for Camilla to be referred to as Queen Consort. So it's interesting that the second she announced that, she gets COVID from (gasps) What are you suggesting? I mean, maybe she knew she, maybe she had some early symptoms. I don't want to say Di appeared to me in a dream. Hello. But. I'm Diana. (laughs) Di may, may or may not have appeared to me in a dream. And said, you know, and showed Camilla maybe sneezing near the Queen. I mean, I don't want to cast nasty. I don't want to put anything in anyone's minds. But I do want to say I'm completely confident that Liz is going to pull through Rona. She will not be taken down by the coronavirus. This is not going to happen to her. I love her so much. She can't be. But the other thing I found out that was quite interesting, the Queen is the third most admired woman in the world, according to a YouGov poll. Who do you think the first two are? In our wheelhouse. Oprah? Is Oprah one of them? No. Oh. So you've got someone at one, someone at two, then the Queen at three. A politician? Is a politician there? Michelle Obama. Is it, it's, oh, I was, oh, was going to say Angela Merkel. Michelle Obama, okay. And Angelina Jolie. Well, well. Really? <laughs> Goodness. Well, I mean, she's big on the philanthropy and the, you know, she's she's done a lot of work with, yeah. with refugees and... Yeah. And I've been a good long while since I've liked any movie she's been in, but she's sort of beyond that now. She doesn't need to act. She's transcended. She floats. She attends things with her impossibly beautiful children. <laughs> it's incredible. And the divorce is still going on with Brad dragging out. Oh, I can't wait for the Netflix special about that relationship. I will be inhaling that the second it comes out. I love it so much. So we send our best regards and wishes and a speedy recovery to Liz. I love you. You'll be oh, okay, God. mate. All right, moving on. Uh, ScoMo has been on a tour of, I think he's been in Darwin recently, and Anthony Albanese has been up there also. But what I've been very interested in is the differing campaigns being run by the two men. So Mm -hmm. ScoMo has been welding without his visor pulled down. Oh, classic image. (laughs) Such an unattractive... Everything about it was wrong. It was also the teeth. It was very... It was, it was just... Oh, can it, you just it, do that again with your face? How did that look? Just do a side-by-side. Side. 
But he lifted up his mask at the exact moment when the blinding light would go straight in his eyes and his mouth, clearly. Oh, my God, yes. And then he, it's just chaotic photo ops. Then he went to visit some naval thing and then he went and had some schooners, went and sunk some beers at the pub. It was so, it was just... Elbow is there. And we still haven't announced the election date. Let's just put that. We're going to be at this for so long. Hasn't announced the election date, but campaigning heavily. But I think finally Elbow's realised, I've got to Stephen Bradbury this. Like, this is mine to lose. I'm just going to keep a really low profile. I'm just going to go in and out. I'm going to gently, like, throw fire from the sides. But Elbow has been the complete opposite to our welder boy. He's just, like, head down, bums up, let Scott Morrison trip himself up. Which he does virtually every second day. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Oh. He really does. But the new one is, is Albo a Manchurian candidate? Is he China's puppet? We got another Manchurian candidate. No, I want to say, I don't think so, do you? No, well, there's there's no discernible difference in policy towards mm. in foreign policy towards China between Labor and Liberal. No, so it's a hell of a stretch. But also now all our security chiefs are coming out condemning oh. the Prime Minister for stirring that this was shit up. So great, it was so great. So basically, what everyone needs to know, everyone listening now, that the Libs are trying to steer the conversation away from Scomo's multiple stuff ups into kind of national security. And in the past, this is their wheelhouse. This is the coalition's wheelhouse. We Know, and remember, Howard did get elected on Stop the Boats, but that was after 9-11. Like, it was just, there was a certain mm. thing going on and in the And the tamper. Air. He used and, the yeah. tamper. There's, the problem with this is there's no discernible event that has no, happened, but that's not stopping them. There's no, they're trying to make one. They're trying to make an event and basically ScoMo's come out and, and look, making people try to, it's scare tactics. It's, it's classic election coming up scare tactics. Maybe there's something going on with China that we need to be really worried about. Oh, guys, we're worried. It's happening in Russia. It could happen in China. And then the ASIO chiefs, past and present, came out and said, mate, can you fucking pipe down? You're making <laughs> our jobs really tough. <laughs> Shut up. It was so good. I love it so much. But them trying to drum up the fear is just so boring and obvious. I cannot believe this is the route they've chosen. Well, and allegedly it is not proving to be a winner. And because, again, I always have that heart-stopping moment of we think it looks stupid, but are there just a plethora of people out there who are just eating it up? But apparently, apparently, if you believe Nikki Saver on Insiders, a lot of polling is suggesting it's kind of backfired, that people are basically seeing it as a, as a desperate, a desperate and basically irresponsible manoeuvre. So hopefully it is going to blow up in their faces. I don't know about you, but I don't want to start a fight with China. Not right now, no. (laughs) Not anytime really. (laughs) But particularly not right now. Yeah, that's my general attitude to this and I feel like that's where ScoMo's overestimated our willingness to, you know, fight them. Have Mm. you met China? Have Have you seen China? Do you know what's even, like... No, whatever, whatever's whatever you need from us, yes. So, no, that's it was an interesting choice of opponent for him to take on for us, I think. Yeah, wild. And also the fact that he was trying to point out Albanese as being weak on security, but then in the end emerged as him being condemned as an actual security threat himself. So, I mean, it really didn't work out. Can't wait to see what they pull out next week. <laughs> I still think and predict Frydenberg's going to be slid in. I Frydenberg is under risk in, in his own electorate in Kuyong. They've got a strong independent. So he's got a battle on his hands just to keep in his own seat. But, you, okay, so you still think leadership drama 
even before the election, even though we're now down, like we're talking, it's got to be in May, right? That's the absolute deadline. Has to so be we're, May. It's, yep. We're just talking a few months at most now and mm-hmm. that you reckon they're going to do a switcheroo. I still think they are not decided on who will go up against Albo. I genuinely would be surprised if it is Scott Morrison. I, I do. I, I don't know what, I can't explain it. It's oh, look, I, I don't doubt you. When the unicorn of death sets her sights on a leadership change. <laughs> but do you think it would be effective? That's my only other thing. Do you no. think Frydenberg v Elbow would be more effective than ScoMo v Elbow? No, but I think Frydenberg would be the better opposition leader. And I think the Liberal Party may be preparing for opposition. And I think you want someone like Abbott or Frydenberg in opposition or even Dutton because their job is just to be gross and throw bombs. And I don't think ScoMo's got it in him to be an opposition leader. I do not. I just don't. Frydenberg to me does seem more like a convincing just human. Like, I mean, there's something about Dutton that I just can't even, I, I, can't, I can't relate to on any level. <laughs> ScoMo tries, but it feels weird. Frydenberg, yeah, I, I, I feel like I can see like sort of a, a, some sort of visage of humanity there. So that's why I feel like he would be more. <laughs> Is that what we're down to? A visage of humanity. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> Look, I know it's not strong. But no, if good, I'm good. looking at the candidates, looking at the candidates, he's the one that definitely feels to me like, you know, maybe yeah. it's also he's close in age to us, frankly. What? Frydenberg. How old's Frydenberg? He is, I think he's in his 40s. Wait a no. Minute. Yeah, let no. me have a look. Here we go, How? live Googling. As per, live oh, no, okay, he's 50. He's 50. Oh, yes. How old's Dutton? He can't be our I age. I think he's not as old as you think he is. No. Is Dutton in his 50s? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I love live Googling. Live Googling. He is 51. I have a weird obsession with people's ages. I Me love too. To, I, increasing, increasing as time I, goes I'd on. I'd love to know a height and an age. Well, the height is always tricky. Mm. I mean, it's because it's very, very hard to gauge the height of prominent people because you rarely, you know, you don't get to see them in the flesh and, and the camera can be very confusing. Like it freaked mm. me out mm. that John Howard was quite tall. No. Yeah. Like he was John Howard is not a short man, okay? Google John Howard's height, please. He's, John Howard is 1.76, which is only two centimetres shorter than me. And I'm just like a completely, yes, I know. We always had the impression that he was incredibly short and he's just not. He has short man energy. There we go. You learn something every day. It can be deceptive. We got an email about, from a woman who, who complained that our content wasn't fresh enough because we spoke about the nest. Remember we did the nest thing and she said she'd seen it in another thing and read it as an urban myth and was disappointed at our lack of fresh content. Oh. <laughs> well, hopefully she'll be dazzled by our revelations <laughs> about the height of our Prime Minister's. Kevin Rudd, 1.79. What? I know, I think of him as short too. See, Paul Keating, I think of tall, and he is, 1.82 metres. Yeah, Keating's tall, Keating's tall, for sure. No, do you know that the Queen's seen 15 Australian Prime Ministers? These are the facts that I keep in my brain, guys. 15. Oh, I wonder what the heights woman, of all those men were. poor, poor woman. We're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Each time hoping for a little fleck of charisma. No, nah. she would have had a few fun 14. times. 14. She's had 14 UK Prime Ministers and 15 Australian in her reign, in her 70-year reign. Thank you. Respect. Where respect's due. All right. I'm trying to save some time for our last topic because it's going to take up a lot. So we're going to go away and we're going to come back and talk about the Nicole Kidman Vanity Fair cover. I know it's nearly a week old, but everyone's been wanting our take and I've spent a week thinking about it legitimately. Oh, can't wait. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Now, Michael Lucas, while you and I were having our photo shoot last week, 
<laughs> so relatable. Yeah. No, we are relatable. We're also your friends who are just doing wild things and we're just scheduling in our own photo shoots. And by the way, I highly recommend it. Just, just everyday people can have photo shoots. Anyone okay. can have a photo shoot. Remember? What was the name of that guy who used to do photo shoots in a big car parked in the front? There used to be a glamour shot in every shopping mall, like that glamour studios. I was obsessed with them. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've had our own glamour shots. During the glamour shoot that we had last week, we were bombarded with pictures of Nicole Kidman's Vanity Fair cover. Now, explain the Vanity Fair Oscars cover for people. Well, every year Vanity Fair does a sort of a special Hollywood issue in the lead-up to the Oscars. I think it's mm. in the lead-up to the Oscars. And they, you know, they get a cluster of, of sort of established stars and up-and-coming stars, but there's often one that they choose to do their own special shoot to promote it all. And this year it was our Nick, Nicole Kidman, coming off a hell of a year. She's probably the front-runner now, yep. now that Gaga is not in it. Yeah. She's probably the front-runner for the best actress. But I think what intrigued everyone, there were two components to the photo spread. There was the big group shot in which she was in a very traditional Nicole evening gown, just looked, you know, the kind of flawless statuesque blonde that you always imagine. But the more intriguing one was her big solo cover where she was in an outfit by, now, how do you say it? Mew Mew? Mew Mew, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of, at first glance, it looked like she was in sort of I'm just going to say slutty schoolgirl attire. Actually, it was cropped male belt with the top of a pair of trousers um, on both, you know, covering both her bra and then sort of as a mini skirt. And she was sort of provocatively opening up these sort of golden gates from which you could see lush Hollywood hills behind. But the photo... It was a little bit NQR when you looked at it. Like even even to the layperson, you looked at it and you go, this doesn't feel right. And then when you zoomed on in, there were some really weird Photoshop things that were happening. And which is mystifying because she like she's not someone that needs some Photoshop. She no. really isn't. She really she's, is not. Like the most no. unflattering pap shots when she's on the beach display. She is yeah. you don't need to pull out the abs. Yeah you know, contouring for her on Photoshop. But there was weird shit. Like her arm was extended and it was all weirdly wavy in this really deformed way that suggested a lot of photo shoot. And then other people said her like torso was elongated. Obviously the face was just looked like an illustration. (laughs) How did it land for you? Look, I mean, it was like whoever was doing Photoshop where you can just select all, you know, rather than going in and just doing individual things. They just did the select all button if that exists and just just did the once over, like the, the filtering of everything and the rearranging of knees and calf muscles. Oh, that was weird. Yeah, there was mm. a weird knee-calf situation happening. It's so bizarre because surely they must know when they're preparing this photo. It's going to be one of the most scrutinised images in the world that day. Yeah, yeah. And if and we, the lay yeah. person can look at it and go, that arm mm. is mangled and weird. Mm then surely someone should go, let's just let's just tighten this up a little bit. I went through so many emotions. I really wanted to check myself for any internalised misogyny and ageism because that mm. can happen. And I sat on it, I sat with it, and I, and I thought and I thought. And the thing that I figured out bothered me is I would have been happy for knickers to be there in her knickers, you know? Like just the nudity is fine. Get it, girl. That is completely bikini, nothing, hair, hands on virgin, strategically placed, whatever. It's the sexualizing of the school uniform that really got me. And, that, and that's what I figured out. It's because I was reading all the comments and the ageism. Is, don't worry, guys. Ageism is alive and well towards any woman over 40 daring to bear some skin. 
I mean, that, that wasn't the thing for me. It was the fact that I have a daughter who wears a school uniform. You know, we've had the Epstein trials and we've had Prince Andrew, we've had the Lolita complex and his whole idea of sexualizing young women online and trying to break free of that kind of scenario of that patriarchal, disgusting view of women are only relevant when they're young and nubile. And her putting on the school uniform, well, and it possibly wasn't as you so beautifully described it. And it was like I was reading a passage from Vogue when you talked about the um, men belts across her boob. So proud. <laughs> fashion correspondent you are Michael fashion. Lucas. <laughs> I mean, I demand you go and cover New York Fashion Week for us. I'm going to send oh, you can there. You imagine? She's walking down the runway in what looks like, I don't know, some plastic buckles. There's a leg and there's some material across the back. Great. Oh, look, I was 30 before I realised there was a difference between dress and skirt. I mean, that's how. <laughs> yeah, like I just thought it, you could say dress or skirt and then someone said, no, dress is like it's the whole thing where a skirt is just the bottom half. And I was like... It's another thing for badgay.com, which yeah, is to, I know. to make it on my I mean, list. A, yeah, let's just say in terms of the gay categories, my fashion know-how is not up there with my pop diva know-how, tragically. It's not great. So that was the only issue I had. I wanted more. I don't, I was disappointed. That was it though. That was my only vibe is no problem with the nudity or the showing of the skin. It was the school uniform, that choice of sexualizing a, a woman in a school uniform. So that's where I landed after lots of shower thoughts. Like all my thoughts happened in the shower around it. And that's where I landed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I guess also for me, I just, I feel like Nickers is moving into sort of deity territory and I'm there for it. I mean, she's been famous for 30 years now, which is bananas. Bananas. I can't remember a time before her because I remember her from Bush Christmas and BMX (gasps) Bandits when I was a little kid. Oh, but please, I need this job. Not to mention graduating to Bangkok Hilton, the greatest Australian miniseries ever made. I won't hear anything against it ever. Probably terribly problematic when we look at it now. What a time. What a time for the miniseries in the 80s. Vietnam was good too. She was also in that. True, true, Um, true. But to be that famous for that long, and you'd have to say she is at like another peak right now. She is as renowned and as acclaimed as she has ever been, possibly more so, maybe on the brink of getting a second Oscar. God. Yeah, I know. It's It's a really great time to be Nikki. It is. It is. So, well, I mean, who knows what the red carpet holds? Who will she come as then? So we've got Nickers, obviously. I do think she's going to win Best Actress. The hosts have been announced. Three incredible women. Regina Hall. 50 black people get their ass beat by police today, but the whole world got to stop for one little whitey down the hole. Amy Schumer. I'm not sure who thought this was a good idea, but I am hosting the Oscars. And Wanda Sykes. And on behalf of everybody, I want to say... Hello, white ladies. Wanda Sykes is one of Adrian's and my favourite comedians. We go down absolute rabbit holes with her on YouTube. She's incredible. And if you have not heard much of Wanda Sykes, just go on YouTube and pick anything. Pick some of her interviews with Ellen. They're always hilarious. Pick some of her stand-up shows. Her comedy throughout the Obama era is Mm -hmm. hysterical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hysterical. Her, she did the press correspondence dinner at the White House back when that was a thing before Trump cancelled it all, and it was the funniest thing. She is a genius, <laughs> and I cannot wait to see what she yeah, does. Yeah, it's exciting. I have to say it. But the most exciting aspect of the Oscars for me has come from an unusual place, and it is the fan favourite award that the Oscars decided to bring in this year. And essentially, fans can vote via Twitter or the Oscars website on their favourite film and... You just have to hashtag, don't you? Yeah. Or something? Yeah. So the thing is, it's become Battle of the Fandoms 
because the front oh. runner now, and I'm so proud to say this, the front runner for the fan favourite film for the Oscars is Camilla Cabello's Cinderella. Do you want to go to that ball and meet a bunch of rich people who will change your life? Yes, I was just crying and singing about it like two minutes ago. Oh, God. Which you actually enjoyed, didn't you? Loved it. Except for the James Corden mouse parts, but, oh, I mean, it was terrible. But it Absolutely was- trash-tastic. It was trash-tastic. And the, the idea that this could somehow be anywhere near an Oscar. <laughs> I know. It's bananas. But the, this is not the first time they've tried to introduce some sort of popular thing. They they wanted to introduce a category, best popular film, a few years ago. And there was such an uproar that they abandoned all the plans. And it feels like this is like they're trying to have another stab at it, to do it by this, like, online voting. And they clearly thought that the front runner was going to be Spider-Man because they were really a bit miffed that that didn't get nominated in, like, for best picture. Yeah. And so they wanted to give it a shot in the hopes that people will watch the Oscars because audiences have been declining forever and yep. ever. Because why watch the whole thing? You can just check out the fashion on Instagram. Correct. <laughs> But this is this is not the way to go. It's not. We, were, we This is something befitting of the Logies, and I say that as someone who <gasps> loves the Logies and respects them. But it's the, the Oscars, only award ceremony anywhere in the world to be voted on by coupons sent in from a magazine. I will not have you besmirch. <laughs> no, the I'm TV not. Like the Logies knows what it is. And My grandmother took part in electing best personalities. God rest her soul, oh, Denise Oh, me Spence. too. I bought, bought multiple <sighs> issues so I'd express my love for Carly from Home and Away. Like, <laughs> Logies is a rich, rich tradition yeah. and absolutely, absolutely stays in the pocket of what it should of be. Course. But the Oscars, the Oscars is supposed to be, it's, it's, it's the king of award ceremonies. It's meant to have this sort of untouchable... Um, you know, aspirational vibe and you're part of history. It's just not a vote for it with the hashtags online. What are you saying? Hashtag Camilla Cabello. (gasps) Hashtag Camilla Cabello. No, although it would be exciting if she got to go to the ceremony, though. That would be good. Well, guess who'd be fucking bitter about that? Lady Mendez doesn't get to do her red carpet. Mm, Broke up with the wrong time. (laughs) He will be very upset. Imagine Sean on the red carpet. It would be stunning. I I would assume there would be a mesh top under his tux. It would be be deconstructed. It would be amazing. But he's not going. I'm telling you, Cinderella's going to win an Oscar. It's so exciting. And I went and looked at the Academy website. They've crashed it. The Academy website is down, down, down. So you have to go and just do the hashtag Camilla, hashtag, hashtag, and on Twitter. And if you go and click on it, it's nuts. The other thing that disturbs me, though, is that the award is going to be given out by three Twitter users. You can enter. And so members of the public. And again, I feel like this is a fatal misunderstanding of what we this want. From, I mean, you know, oh we're God. all for egalitarianism and everything. But no, no this one is we good. tune into the Oscars, for yes. Christ's sake. I want someone's mum up on stage going, oh, my God, is that George Clooney? Look, it's Clooney. I want someone on stage losing their shit because all their favourite celebrities are in the room. Bring the Oscar to me. I love it. Imagine if I got to go up. Oh, my God. Would you start talking like Effie? Because clearly that's what is unleashed at the moment. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, It is my absolute honour to present the Twitter award for, oh, my God. Oh, fuck, Brad, you look amazing. You're single now, aren't you? I would. I would totally, I wouldn't be able to help myself. And I would burst into song. I'd just take over. I would just start hosting. But I think it's exciting, the idea that three Twitter users from the G-Pub get to present an Oscar. Uh, There should be more of it. No, 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 no. I want an endless parade of the most famous people. People in the world, I don't want to lose a single second to yes, competition yes. winners because I don't think they will Force be entertaining them to like mix that. with the competition winners. Prize pigs for life. Prize pigs for life. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> we will reconvene after we've seen the results of what happens and see whether you found it a worthy, whether you would have preferred they just bought out Jennifer Aniston. Now, you know that I'm going to be so excited by, and how do you pick what you're going to wear? Because these people will not be getting any help from celebrity stylists. These G-Pub Twitter users, they're probably going to have to go to a Westfield and buy a frock from Maya or whatever their equivalent is. Imagine just walking in. I just need a dress for the Oscars, which I'm presenting. I will oh, respect oh, it if one of them has been inspired by Nicole Kidman's cover. <laughs> then it will have really paid off. You know one of the hosts is coming out in that outfit and I'm tipping Schumer. 100%. I'll be disappointed yeah. if she doesn't. Yeah. Schumer better come out in. And how did you describe the outfit again? Just remind everyone what Nicole Kidman's outfit was. The, yeah. the uh, what was it? It, it, it was mm-hmm. a, a men's pants cropped off Men's? with a tight belt covering both her bikini and then also as a mini skirt, exposing multiple, at, like just your entire torso area. Is the word you're looking for waistband? Is that what yeah. you're looking for? Yeah, okay. that's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> All power to her. Yeah, that's great, that's great. Well, look, only time will tell. You know, will Queen Elizabeth survive coronavirus? Yes. Will Josh Frydenberg be leader of the Liberal Party? Yes. Will it be the greatest move in Oscar history to allow the general public to present an award based on Twitter popularity? Fucking yes. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're really building this towards a cliffhanger. Tune in next week for all the answers. Nah, we'll probably forget. Someone will remind us. Mm. All right. Well, that's enough from us. It's exciting times. I have to tell you, I'm really enjoying being in the studio. Oh, honestly, I'm just impressed at the way that you've conquered the street. I have, to put it in context for everyone, I've been living on this street for now 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I couldn't tell you, I couldn't give such a detailed bio for any of the coffee shop owners, but I really appreciate it. You've gone in, you've, you're basically, you're Putin going into Ukraine. You've really done this hard. You're prepared. <laughs> I do have the same beauty regime as Putin, I'm pretty sure. God, he looks good for his age. How Imagine old is all this he? Oh, here oh, we go again. He could be. Can you look up how old Putin is? How tall is Putin? Because I think he would lie. Putin feels like someone who would get the, the internet to lie about his height. He's 70. Oh, 69. He? He's 69. But that's pretty old. Yeah, but he looks good. But he changed the whole Russian constitution so that he can... How tall Never is he? Never have to abdicate, yeah. Oh, he's 5'7". He? He's 170 centimetres, so he's short. short. He's my height. Oh, I knew he'd be short. in this world would have thought that John Howard would tower over Vladimir Putin? But there you go. There you go. (laughs) How tall is Julia Gillard? What about Thatcher? Thatcher would be quite short. Well, also she had bouffant hair. So I feel like that, you know, she added to her height. Gillard was 166 centimetres. Oh, yeah, about a little bit less than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Thatcher? I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. 163. Oh, that's very confident. Yeah. Um, one six six. You were close. Great. Well, I can sleep now. All right. Well, <coughs> enjoy the rest of your week. The street is ready for you. I'll I'll Thank suss you. out more of our neighbours. Territory is conquered. Brilliant. I did notice there's a couple couple hot guys two doors down. I suss them out too. Like, really? Yeah, Gay or straight? Haven't determined yet. It's not like you. Normally, you know instantly. No, straight. Pretty straight. They were wearing shorts, sport shorts, but not in like a cute way. Not an ironic sort of. I'm in an added ass. I'm an Olympia uh, Olivia Newton John video <laughs> no. clip. Not like that. <laughs> no. Oh. That were too long. All right, enjoy the rest of your trip in Tasmania. Thank you. Oh, we're going to see Batman premiere together on my birthday next week. We are. So we we'll have that to talk Circle about. Of hot. Circle of Hot. And Robert Pattinson. <gasps> and Paul Dano, who claims that he was unable to sleep when he uh, was the Riddler. <laughs> oh, we have so much to talk about. This is exciting. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. 
This is Emsolation. All right, that's it. That's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us. As always, following us on social media, please, at Emsolation Podcast on Instagram. Marcella, my daughter, is the social media captain. We also have some beautiful videos being made by my wonderful video editor, James, so you've got to appreciate his videos. And Ben Wosley, our executive producer and voice of the show, sends out a stunning newsletter every Thursday. You're our pen pal. It's the guide to the show. If you're not getting the newsletter, you're only getting half the story. Oh, there's so many drag races on at the moment. That's a drag race reference, which is why I'm going into a drag race thought bubble. There was one of the queens this week had the most astounding runway. She fell over and then stood up as Freddie Mercury. Up next was the Lady Camden! This was, we gagged. It was one of the best runways I've ever seen. Why was I saying drag race? Oh yeah, get the newsletter. And you can sign up to the newsletter at our Instagram. It's all there. Also, I've got three live shows coming up in May. I want to remind you, there are 22 seats left in Brisbane, there are 100 seats left in Sydney, and there are 115 seats left in Adelaide. So if you want to come along and see me in May, please do. All the details are at mrussiano.com. These shows I've been trying to put on for a long time, so I'm overdue. I'll probably get on stage and cry, but that's all right. I'll look amazing. Please come along and see me if you'd like to at the Alive and Unleashed tour, as I said, mrussiano.com for all those details. That's it. Have a wonderful week. I don't think I asked you how you were. How are you? No, it's nice. Sometimes, you know, I know it's a thing I do and maybe it makes you stop and think about how you are. I'm very excited. I've had too much coffee on an empty stomach, as you can tell. We're off now to edit the podcast all in the same room. It's very exciting. All right. I'm going to go down and see Daphne too. Probably get a little smoothie. I wonder what she's wearing today. I'll try and get Daphne outfits when we become real friends. I wonder what her name is really. I don't want to know. Have a great week, gang. Very excited, as you can hear. Bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry. Why? and coffee from M's Dad Vinci. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon.